0: Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Uh, I was doing the kids' talk at the morning service this morning, and I was reading a kid's book. And as I was reading, I was thinking, I reckon the timeless truths of this book hold up. So I'm going to read it to you as well. Uh, This book is a, a... a classic in my household, as you can see from the cover. Uh, It is a board book banger called Whose Tools? Now, this book requires a bit of participation. It's not just a story, nothing as simple as that. It's a mystery. I'm going to present to you evidence, and you have to tell me whose tools, okay? I think you can do it. If you can't see on uh, the book I'm holding, you can just look at the screen. I think it'll, it'll show up there. That's the title page. All right. So, to build a house, start down low. Whose tools are those, do you know? And if we look at the pictures, I can see a chalk line, which honestly I don't know what that is, uh, a chisel, a jointer, which I think I can tell from the, the, the picture, and then a float. Whose tools would they be? Any brave soul want to call out? A brickie? Oh, all right. Except this is an American book, so it's the Masons! I smooth as a cement until it's a flatter. All right. All right, good, we're we're one from one, let's keep going. Place windows high with floors below. Whose tools are those, do you know? This time we've got a level and a square and a hammer and a saw. A carpenter, all right, all right, let's see. It's the carpenters. I cut the frames where the windows go. All right, next one. Keep all rooms dry in rain or snow. Whose tools are those, do you know? Now we've got a utility knife, which doesn't give that much away if you ask me. Snips, a nail gun and a ladder. Now, why would you need a ladder and a nail gun? What could this one be? Oh, let's see if it's the roofers. Ah, nail bashingos and straight rows. Right. <laughs> I have a lot of trouble with that accent, but that's all right. Okay, now add some lights that softly glow. Whose tools are those, do you know? <laughs> wow, let me tell the tools. And check to see if Steve Jones is correct. All right. Screwdriver, drill, wire stripper, linesman, pliers, and it is the sparky. All right. It's the electricians. Great job. Uh, Now I can't remember how she talks, Steve. You're throwing me off my game. Uh, I string the wire from switches to lights. All right. Make the water stop and go. Whose tools are those? Do you know? Okay. Adjustable wrench, pipe wrench, pipe cutter, pipe tape. Who would that be? Plumber. Plumber. Ah, good job. I turn the pipe elbows until they're tight. That's our plumber. On all four walls, bright colours flow. Whose tools are those? Do you know? A brush, roller tray, roller and masking tape. Who would that be? It's the painter. Great job, everyone. Unfortunately, I run out of accents whenever I get to this page. So she just says, I paint three coats on every wall. Uh, it It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. The house is still not finished, though. Who's come to build? All right, Steve Jones, let's you how how smart you are now with the twist at the end. (laughs) It's yours, I know! And then there's two kids playing with blocks in their brand new house. Isn't that delightful? Love that book. A classic in the Donald household. But there is a reason why I'm reading this book to you, believe it or not, as much as I do enjoy reading to you. All these people have different skills. But they are working together to build one thing. What are they building? A house. They are working together to build a house. Now imagine what would happen to a house with no electricity. At this point, kids called out to me this morning. I'm realizing you're not going to do that with me, are you? What would happen if there was no plumbing? Terrible. The four-year-old said, where would you go to the toilet? Exactly. Where would you go to the toilet? That's what happened. They got it immediately. The house needs all these people to work together in order for it to be a worthwhile house to live in. I've read this book so many times over the years with three kids that now when I think about our topic for this evening, Spiritual gifts, I immediately think of that book. So, now you will too. Hebrews 3 says that we are God's house. Ephesians 2 says the same thing, that God's people are being built up together to be one building, a new building, a temple, a dwelling. The Holy Spirit is busy, busy, busy building up followers of Jesus into one great, big, awesome house, a household, a family. And he gives us gifts so that we can join him on the building site. Tonight, as we continue our series on the Holy Spirit, we're talking about spiritual gifts. But the problem is spiritual gifts tend to bring out a lot of contention and debate and confusion for Christians. So, if tonight is confusing or there are things you disagree with, or you just forget a lot of things I say tonight, at least remember this. Remember this, that the Holy Spirit has saved a spot for you at his building site. The Holy Spirit has saved a spot for you at his building site. To simplify our complicated topic, tonight I'm going to raise and attempt to answer four questions about spiritual gifts. Really simple. Question one, question two, question three, Question four. I'll try to answer them, and then flip it around. And I have four questions for you to think about when we close. Uh, Let me pray, and we'll get into it. Well, God, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit, and we pray that you, would be teaching us through Him tonight. Uh, We'd be coming into truth, and we'd be understanding more and more about why we have spiritual gifts and how we can use them for Your glory. Amen. All right. So, question number one: pretty obvious. What are spiritual gifts? 1 Corinthians 12.1, the passage that Anna just read for us, the first verse. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Great place to start, right? Then from verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in one, it is the same God at work. Paul has lots of different names for spiritual gifts. So he's writing to the Corinthian church 2,000 years ago, this group of Christians in the city of Corinth in Greece, and they're confused about spiritual gifts, so he wants to teach them in these coming chapters. But even when he first introduces them, he has multiple different names for the same thing. In verse 1, he literally calls them pneumatica, which is like spiritual things. In verse 4, he calls them charismata, or free gifts. Charismata comes from the word charis, which means grace. It's a word we use a lot in churches and it comes up a lot in the Bible. Charis is grace. Charismata is gifts. In verse 5, though, he just calls spiritual gifts different kinds of service. In verse 6, he calls them different kinds of working. And then in verse 7, he calls them manifestations of the Spirit, which I think maybe is like demonstrations of the Spirit. So there are lots of different names referring to the same concept, but exactly what he's referring to becomes more clear once we start to look at examples. So... Another time he writes to the church in Rome and in Romans 12, he gives a list of gifts. He he writes, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If 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 it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. These are abilities given by the Holy Spirit to followers of Jesus. In other places, Paul has different lists or or different uh, gifts of the Spirit in the lists he makes. And since the gift lists kind of change in different places, I don't think he has one definitive or rigid list like these are the only spiritual gifts, nothing else can be a spiritual gift. It seems more fluid than that. Peter, when he talks about spiritual gifts, he doesn't even try to list any. He just breaks them all into two categories. There are the gifts that we speak and the gifts that we do, the speech acts, and then there's the other acts we do to serve people. What makes something a spiritual gift is not so much what it is as what we do with it. Peter says that the gifts that are to be used for the praise of Christ. In our reading that Anna did, Paul says that the gifts that are to be used for the common good, for the good of the faith community that you belong to. And on several other occasions, he uses this construction metaphor, which is why I always think of the book, where he says that the gifts that are to be used to build up the church, to build up God's people. So a spiritual gift is an ability given by the Holy Spirit to individuals to build up believers to the praise and glory of Jesus. An ability isn't just a spiritual gift when it suddenly appears after we become Christians. Any ability, no matter how long we've had it, is a spiritual gift when it is used to build up God's people in unity and maturity and faith and love so that we want to praise Jesus for who his people are becoming. Hopefully that's a clear enough definition, but maybe you're sitting there thinking, yeah, Chris, okay, but what about the fancy gifts? You know what I'm talking about, right? The fancy gifts. What about the miraculous gifts? Question number two, what's the deal with miraculous gifts? Sometimes Paul refers to spiritual gifts that have a miraculous aspect to them. Miraculous, like they they sound like miracles. Paul lists a bunch of those in 1 Corinthians 12. And he lists a bunch of miraculous gifts specifically in 1 Corinthians 12, I think because the believers in Corinth are obsessed with these kinds of gifts. They've decided some gifts are more desirable than other gifts. Some gifts are better than others. And so Paul spends three chapters discussing these gifts, emphasizing that what makes a gift valuable isn't which gift it is, but whether or not it's being used in love to build up God's people. Now, there is, there's so much debate over miraculous gifts, but I'm going to do my best to quickly describe each one that Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 12. You can find me afterwards to tell me how I'm wrong. I'm looking forward to it. But from verse 8, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. Then in verse 10 he continues, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits. So we have knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits. I think he's talking about four different gifts, but there's a lot of overlap between them, so I'm lumping them together for now. Each refers to having special insight that can bring clarity to a specific situation. Maybe this insight is profoundly miraculous, like, oh my goodness, how could you possibly know that about me? Or maybe it's just sometimes a wise person giving really good counsel at the right time. Prophecy, in particular, is maybe the most disputed out of all the spiritual gifts. Prophesying refers to speaking truth that someone believes they have received from God. On the less miraculous end, maybe prophesying would include good preaching, hopefully, where someone has worked hard to understand God's word and what it means to a particular group of people at a particular time. But in a more miraculous sense, prophesying might refer to sharing revelation that someone thinks they've received directly from God. So in Acts 20... Paul says to some other Christians, the Holy Spirit warns me in every city that prison and hardship are facing me. To me, that sounds like either the gift of prophecy or the gift of knowledge in action. But, and this is essential, but these gifts are fallible. That means that they're not perfect. People can make mistakes and misinterpret just like a preacher can make mistakes and misinterpret when they're preaching. Which means hearing someone prophesy isn't equivalent to hearing God's word in Scripture. An individualized word of prophecy might feel more exciting, it might feel more special, but God's word in Scripture is always number one. Back to our list. Verse 9 refers to the gift of faith. I don't think Paul's talking about faith that every Christian needs to have, you need to put out your faith in Jesus. He's talking about a special faith on top of that, a special confidence in God that he can and does do incredible things, but also a special trust in God when he doesn't do the incredible things that we hoped he would. That's the gift of faith. Also in verse 9 are the gifts of healings. We see Peter, the Apostle Peter, use a gift like this when he says to a, a man born lame or a, a lame man, uh, take, up, get up, take up your mat and walk. That's using a gift of healing. But Paul refers to gifts of healings here in the plural. So maybe there are a whole variety of healing gifts. And if there's a whole variety of healing gifts, it would make sense to me that uh, a doctor or nurse working effectively uh, with the ability to heal people uh, in God's family, that would be someone exercising the gift of healing as well. Verse 10 talks about miraculous powers which feels to me like Paul's just trying to use a catch-all phrase for whatever seems crazy. Uh, Maybe like exercising a demon or something like that. That would be a miraculous power. Verse 10 also refers to speaking in different kinds of tongues and the interpretation of different kinds of tongues. Maybe tongues get people more worked up than prophecy does, actually. Hard to say, but these are two heated ones. In Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost... The Holy Spirit comes on the apostles. You might remember if you know this passage, there's there's flames above their head and they start praising God in these foreign languages that the people that have gathered in Jerusalem happen to know because they're from these faraway lands. That's the first example of speaking in tongues in the New Testament and the people are speaking known human languages. So that might be the gift of tongues. However, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul refers hypothetically to the ability of speaking in the tongues of angels as in not speaking human languages. So it doesn't seem like the gift of tongues is, always refers to suddenly being able to speak another known human language. And so that's where the gift of interpretation would come in. One person might be able to speak in a tongue, another person might be able to interpret uh, what they're saying. Those are the miraculous gifts. And there is enormous debate over what exactly each is, but also about which also over which gifts are still available to believers today. My plan right now, as of January 15, is to tackle that question next week during the sermon. Uh, So I'll just not answer it tonight. You're welcome. Uh, I guess you have to come as a cliffhanger. Oh my goodness, what is he going to say next week? Uh, But... uh, I did make a Q&A, Slido. Uh, well, I'm not going to do a Slido tonight because I hopefully will answer a lot of questions next week in the sermon. But if you go to slido.com, new line, N-E-W-L-I-N-E, like our address, uh, you can start submitting your questions tonight that you want me to tackle next week. Cool? Cool. All right. That's a whole bunch of miraculous gifts, but it's worth stating again, however we've been gifted... However we've been gifted, the Holy Spirit has a spot for us on His building site. Question number three, we're flying. Who gets spiritual gifts and how? Who gets spiritual gifts and how? I want to tell you a story. Hopefully it's a story that's familiar for a lot of you because it's the story of every follower of Jesus. Once, you were far away from God. You were born into a race, you were born into the human race that had again and again and definitively pushed God away. But you also, by continued actions and by the attitude of your heart, you had also pushed God away so that you were distant from Him, so that you were God's enemy. But because of His great love for us, God sent His Son, Jesus, to die in our place, for our sins, for our pushing God away. And he didn't just send his son, he also sent his spirit to come and give you a new heart, a new life. Ephesians 2 says that it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Every Christian is only a Christian because God chose to save them. He gave them the gift of life, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of friendship, the gift of his spirit. God's gifts, his grace, that's for every believer. But it's not like he just stops there. He keeps going with the gifts. To receive spiritual gifts, there isn't an extra hurdle you have to jump through after becoming a Christian. Receiving spiritual gifts is just another part of being swept up in the grace of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. To every believer, every Christian, every follower of Jesus, you've been given spiritual gifts. Every follower of Jesus is intentionally and uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has a spot for you on His building site. Some gifts we might have been born with. Some might come on quickly and dramatically at different times. Some gifts God might have for us that we haven't yet received or at least haven't yet identified. So how do we identify and develop our gifts? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, just another chapter after what we read, he says we are to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts because God wants to give them to us, so we pray for them. We ask God to either increase our abilities or give us new capacities. We ask Him to shake us out of the status quo where we're just kind of comfortable with how much we go on the building site with how much we join God's mission. We seek to discover spiritual gifts, to learn more about how God has gifted us by noticing a need around us and then getting our hands dirty by trying to meet that need. Now, This week for me has been a week of seeing so much need in our church. And it's been really tempting to just feel overwhelmed during different conversations until I remembered this truth that God has equipped and will continue to equip hundreds of people in our church to meet those needs. And that brings us to our last question. Question number four, who are spiritual gifts for? It's so tempting when it comes to spiritual gifts to get into them and, and start, it's almost like a personality test, right? And they're, they're addictive. It's just to find out oh, how God has uniquely gifted me. How do I discover my gifts? Why aren't I getting more of a chance to use my gifts? And I think some of that thinking is appropriate. We do need to identify our own gifts if we're going to use them. But who are spiritual gifts for? Not for ourselves the spiritual gifts each of us receive are not for ourselves. They are graces. They are gifts from the Holy Spirit because He gives them to us, but also because they enable us to give to others. I don't know where you were on December 25th, 2022. But it was Christmas, so you can probably work it out. But at 7.05 a.m., I was pulled out of bed by our three-year-old shepherd, And I was taken to the Christmas tree and sat down because he was ready for us to open our presents. And so over the course of the next 15 minutes, our children very speedily each opened four gifts that we had gifted them. They each got something they want, something they need, something to wear, something to read. You can write that down. Uh, They opened up their gifts. It was a lovely time. But three weeks before that, my wife Emily and I were more organized this year and we took our kids to Kmart and we gifted them each a certain amount of money to go and buy presents for the Anglicare Toys and Tucker collection to give to kids in underprivileged families. And it was hard, as you can imagine. I mean, think about a three-year-old, a six-year-old, and a nine-year-old trying to not just buy things for themselves when they have the opportunity to. It was really hard. Even harder to try and buy gifts for a stranger you don't even know. But they got it and they tried to choose gifts that they thought somebody else would like because they knew they would like them. We might be tempted to think getting and using spiritual gifts is kind of like unwrapping presents at Christmas. Let's see what the Holy Spirit has given us. But I think it's much more like standing in Kmart with the capacity to buy a gift for someone else. The Holy Spirit gifts us so that we can go to His building site and join in His building project. So what's He working on? The Holy Spirit is working, working, working to grow the people of God to maturity. He's building up the church. The Spirit is preparing a bride worthy of God's own Son. Our gifts are are not for ourselves. Our gifts are for making the church beautiful. Our gifts are for Jesus. So that's my four questions and attempted answers. This time, some questions for you, just to ponder. Number one, do you know the gift of life that Jesus is offering you? Have you received it? Have you unwrapped it? Or it's just sitting under the tree. Because if you haven't accepted that gift, then the rest of these gifts don't matter at all. It starts there. Number two. Do you notice how the Spirit has gifted the people around you? Could you make a point today, this evening, and this week, of telling other people in our faith community what gifts of theirs you see and enjoy? And can you imagine how encouraging a week that would be for our church if we all took that challenge on board and started telling each other how we've seen God gift them? Number three, do you know how the Spirit has gifted you? Have you tried enough things over enough time, got enough confirmation from enough people that you have a sense of how He's gifted you? Or are you willing to start noticing needs And try serving in different ways to find out. Number four. Are you using your gifts on the building site? Are you actually making the most of what you've been given to give to others? Are you willing to use your gifts to build up the church? Let me pray. Lord God, you are so tremendously generous. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much that you gave us the gift of salvation and you continue to give to us again and again. And we pray that we wouldn't ignore these gifts, we wouldn't squander them, we wouldn't selfishly twist them around as things for ourselves, but instead we'd use them how you intend, by joining you on your building site. Spirit, we pray that this year in 2023 we would see our church So that's become more and more beautiful, more and more mature. Let it grow in depth and number. And we pray that you would be working, working, working at the Global Church, building it up, preparing a bride fit for Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. All our gifts are for the glory of God, so please stand as we sing, All Glory Be To Christ. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon For all the details check out our website at stmatt's.org.au. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.